welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. What is up, fam? Welcome back to the third season of Value Adds Value. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I'm here with my guy, Will Kibbe Law III. What's good, what up, Will? What up, what up? Man, I'm excited about everything that's going on. It's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's great. I'm going to say this. It, it, surviving, some people say surviving COVID. I'm going to say thriving in COVID Ooh. because it's all about your mindset and how you approach things. And COVID has been nothing but, uh, uh, I hate to say it this way, but it's been a blessing because it's allowed me to reconnect with my family in a way that I hadn't, to get things in my own house in order, to get things in my own body in order, and to take that time to really kind of rejuvenate. So, uh, I, you know, some people complain about COVID and I hate not being able to hug somebody or see a friend that you like and can't shake their hand. But in the in the meanwhile, I can say that there's so many areas in my life that that's that's being blessed because of COVID. And I, I think I'm thankful for that. So yeah. in a good place right now. So we are super thrilled uh, to invite a friend on, a friend who I haven't seen in four and a half months because we worked together at my job at Seven Hills Prep Academy. Yeah. He, is an, he is an educational assistant. He is also a youth pastor at it's yep. South. Southland, right? Southland City Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. It's my guy, our friend Levi Spanger. Levi, glad we can connect, buddy. So to be here. I was just catching up on the podcast the other day. Um, I'm just excited to be in this dialogue with you guys. Yeah, man. It's going to be great. Awesome. Yeah, buddy. So for for those people uh, that may not know you, may not follow you, Let's just get a little bit of your background and a little bit of what your day-to-day is as both a youth pastor and uh, and an EA. Sure, yeah. So it's funny, my background actually has nothing to do with education. I actually have a business degree, um, worked construction my whole life, worked with my hands my whole life, thought that's the way I needed to go. Um, and I just wasn't happy with it. I was working it till I was about 22. Um, but I've always been involved with students, mainly in church realm, but uh, also in sports. And then um, little brother, big brother, little sister, big sister programs as well. Um, so I always I always had some sort of student interactions in my life. But um, I started at Seven Hills Preparatory Academy a few years ago as an educational assistant. Fell in love with the students, fell in love with, the, with being in the school system, being in their day-to-day, being in their habits. Um, so yeah, man, it's, it's been an interesting ride transitioning from being outside for 12 hours a day to in the classroom, wearing a button up shirt, a little different. Oh, come on. Don't even play. Don't (laughs) even play. Like you, if you, if you saw, if you opened up an Abercrombie ad every day, that's what Levi looks like every day. I'm like dressed really good. And then Levi's got like his. (laughs) His tight jeans that are like a little bit above the knee and is just killing it with a flannel every day. I love it. It's, oh, man. it's it's so fun. But, you know, like I said, it was I, I was really 
fortunate that we got to got to work together when I started at, at Seven Hills because I mean like you walked in and you're you walk into a room and your vibe is just good. So I was instantly like mm. you walked in and I was like, okay, like I I can yeah. work with this dude. But but I mean we'll talk about a little, little more a little bit more down the road. But the rapport you have with the kids is yeah. just something that like teachers teacher any teacher can learn from from that. Mm. So wow. Um, so a question we always like to ask people is because you yeah. know we're 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 trying to work to help teachers be what kids deserve. So when you hear that term, a, a teacher that kids deserve, what comes to mind? Yeah, man, that's I think that's the most important question for an educator. I, I really think it is. Is what did what did these kids deserve? You have to take that. And so I think every single student deserves to be two things: championed and challenged. That's that's where I run. I run my ministry off that. I run how I interact with students outside or inside the school, outside or inside the church. They need to be championed and they need to be challenged. And what I mean by championed is when they succeed, they need to know they succeeded from an adult figure in their life. Because at the end of the day, as much as they want that pure, um, whatever you whatever you call it, they want their their peers to be, you know, right beside them, celebrating with them. They want that. They need that. But what really impacts them is when an adult can come next to them and say, Hey, you're killing it. And that's what I mean by championed. And I, mm-hmm. I've always looked at it that way as, as how can I make these students feel like I'm doing something like I'm, I'm making steps. I, I'm, you know, progressing in any sort of way. And by challenged, I mean, basically how do you get them to be championed is you got to challenge them with something first. And and we need to stretch. We need to grow. Uh, as adults, we need to do this. As educators, we need to do this. As people, we need to do this. And so when students get stretched and they get, they get um, these people in their lives that they look up to, keeping them to a standard and then celebrating with them when they meet that standard changes everything. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, I, that's what I think. I think students deserve that. I think teachers can offer that, you know, and it's so fun. It is so funny. And I didn't even plan it, but we've been talking about the word standard for like two weeks. Come on. On this podcast talking about, and and Wilkie brought it up in terms of his doctoral studies. He's writing his dissertation. He's talking about how, like, if you compare hip hop, like there's a standard operating procedure, whether you're a hip hop artist from the East coast or West coast, Mm. there are certain parameters that it all fits in. Sure. But we struggled to see those in education. And we were talking mm-hmm. about how like state to state, the standards are different from what, what you, what it takes to become a teacher, what we're teaching in terms of standards. So that's, that's just crazy to me that, that you brought that word and, and, and you, you um, have that in there. I, I love that though, that, that sure. champion and challenge. So I want to yeah. go back to the word that you used though, when you said challenge, you said to stretch them. Mm-hmm. And I am a firm believer. I taught special education inclusion Come on. for years before I got into the classroom on my own. And I even once I got in the classroom as my own, I approached my classroom still as if I was teaching special education kids. When I taught GT, I taught my GT kids with that same mentality. And people were like, you teach GT and you teach special education differently. You're not supposed to teach them the same. I say, no. You're not. You're supposed to teach them identically 
Because right. again, if I challenge every kid, that means that that GT kid that comes in is already on the eighth grade level should leave me on the ninth or 10th grade level. That's right. That kid who, that kid who comes in, who's on a third or fourth grade level, I should be able to stretch them to by the time they leave me, they're on the sixth or seventh grade level. So when mm -hmm. you said that word stretch, and you said in order to champion, for them to feel championed, they have to be challenged. That's right. Because if it's not challenging, if you just keep asking me two plus two because you think that's my ability, if you if that's all you ask me and I keep getting it right for, you're not challenging me. So therefore, when you're saying, yay, I'm looking at you like, I've been saying the same thing for the last four weeks and you keep asking the same question. I guess, yay. But they don't feel as if they have someone in their corner. But when yep. you ask them, what's the square root of this or what's the square root of that? And they can articulate an answer to that. And then you celebrate them. Now, you know, you have someone that you've challenged. Mm. Now they can appreciate when you start celebrating them. Because other than that, kids can see through the fluff and they know that you're just trying to blow smoke at them. That's right. Yeah. I love that. And how long have you been in education? Uh, two seasons. So about two school years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, so with that, Levi, I mean, I was going to ask you a basic question about what, you know, what's the, your role as an EA and, and what's the most important thing you do, but you kind of did that. So something I want to ask you kind of off of that is I, I feel like a, I myself and a lot of people have the misconception of the EA that they're only a person that is working with the students in the special ed program. But that's definitely not who you are. Like, you are a stalwart. Like, every kid knows who you are. Every kid has a relationship with you. So how do you kind of touch all the different aspects of kids? Because, yes, you, you do have the kids that you're really assigned to help. But yeah. even those kids have way different needs. So how do you work to make sure that the kids that you're in contact with in the school are getting what they need? Yeah, man. Um, that's a great question. And I think kind of goes back to what Wilkie was saying is these, the standard that's set across, I'm not going to lower my standard because a student is put in my special ed program. I'm still going to, I'm going to keep a standard, right? And I'm going to keep a regular student to that standard as well. But a successful student is going to look different than another successful student. It's based off the student, in my opinion. And so, I have a kid come into my program. Uh, success to me for that kid is going to be, we're going to get all of his homework turned in. We're going to do it all. We're going to get it all turned in, which is not common for a special ed kid to do, right? It's just not common to be held to that standard. Well, for me, that's where we're starting. We're going we're gonna to get all the homework in. Well, for a general education student, I'm going to say, well, you need to be getting 80% or higher on your homework. And like you said, just because I work with the special ed department doesn't mean I'm not in the classroom with all the other students. If, if, if I decide to be a ghost in the back of the room, which I'm sure you both know there's people in my line of work that'll do that. They want to be a ghost. They want to drink their coffee and they don't want to get out of their chair. I, I refuse to do that. And my special education student, Sometimes I only have one in a classroom. He's not going to need me all the time. So what's the point of me sitting in the back when there's X amount of students in the classroom? Why can't I help those students get to their success rate, their successful goal, 
whatever it may be for that specific student, as well as keeping my student to a standard. And so that's how I go about my thought process of how do I connect with every single student right away is putting the challenge on them first, right? And then when they can be championed, I'm going to champion them. It just goes back to that point. And like I said, that's, that's how I live my life. That's how I involve, that's how I interact with every student is through that lens. If that makes sense. 100%. It makes sense. I mean, that, that's why I asked how long you've been teaching because there are teachers who've been teaching for a long, a lot longer than you um, who wear certifications and wear them proudly and they don't have that down packed. Um, mm. One of my favorite quotes um, is by Rita Pearson because she says that every child deserves to have a champion, an educator who, who, who understands them and who celebrates them and who gives their all for them. Every child deserves that. That's like the quote that I build everything that I do in my classroom on. And so for you to say that again, I can say that's a realization. And I, and I, I want to tie it together because I see the connection. I, I, and I want to say it comes from your faith. Yeah. Because that is almost, that's almost, that's discipleship. You're right. That's discipleship. I'm going to challenge you with walking the way I walk. Mm. I'm going to challenge you with, with, with learning the doctrine the way that it's supposed to be learned and, and executing it. And then when you do, I'm going to champion you. But the celebration and champion when you talk about discipleship is when you get to that point of your 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 Lord, your Savior saying to you, well done. So for us, like it's like that work is never done. You're still working toward that, but it's still the same premise to challenge someone in order to champion. Man, you 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 put something right there on me, Levi. I promise you that that's that's gonna rest on me for the rest of this summer. Come on, I love Come it. That's what it's about. Yeah, and and the other thing that I really want to point out too that is something, and it's not just you. I mean, like the the special education staff at our school is oh. like extraordinary, like the best I've ever worked with. But I don't know how many times I and and you make yourself available to them as well. Like, I don't know how many times I found you just rapping with kids in the hallway or, or listening to music or doing whatever, having lunch or down in the gym, playing basketball with kids. You made yourself so accessible that I think it really like allows those kids. Cause I, you know, like, like what you said about the ghost in back, like if you would have been that guy, I mean, cause to a kid, I mean, there are some kids in our school that are like, four foot four and you know and you're like six foot four or six foot five right yeah so you you could theoretically be an intimidating person if you wanted to be but you make yourself so approachable that I think that really is is what allows those students to grab I mean like I can attest that students gravitate towards you mm. but on that same token the thing I want to point out about you challenging them is like you might be their champion, but that doesn't mean that when they get off the path that you're not going to let them know that they're off the path. Definitely. And, and I feel like what I really respected about you too when I tried to watch is the way that when, when a kid was off the path, you brought them back. Hmm. It's, you never embarrass the kid. You never, you never minimize or make a kid feel small. So that's that's something that like, watching you do that and and 
you know, watching Capon and Bueller and, and everybody in that department, the way that that, that family just works is something that yeah. I really like really learned from this year. So that was, that was fantastic. So let's talk a little bit, you know, moving towards your work as, as a youth pastor and kind of how that relates, how, how those two things kind of merge. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I kind of mentioned it a few times already, but that lens, I look through every student I meet, whether it's on a street or at the church or at the school, I, I know they need to be challenged. They need to be stretched. Right. We talked about that already. Um, but I think, I think if you can get on a personal level with a student, you can pretty much open the door to their entire life. But, and I know you guys talk about it on the podcast is how do you get that personal relationship with the student where you can, you know, see into their life, you know, we're not going to be able to walk a day in their shoe, but I can, I can sure try to follow them around for a little bit and see what's going on, you know? And so for both, whether I'm at the school or at the church, every student I meet, I have to, I have to think in the back of my mind, how am I going to be able to connect with this student on a personal level, not just, Hey, how's your day going? How, how was your test? How was this class? But Hey, how are you doing? Like, how is your day going in the last two hours? Like, tell me specifics. And then as you kind of peel back those layers, you can, we can make connections. We can, you know, Oh, you, you love sports. Me too. What, what sports do you play? Oh, I played that too. What, what position or, Oh, you love to read. What's the, what's the last book you read? This is the last book I read. Why'd you enjoy that book? Those little personal things that to a lot of adults is just kind of like, whatever, doesn't make a big deal to a, a 14, 15, 16 year old student man, if you can connect on that level with them, whether it's in the church or the school, you got someone now who will not only listen to you, but be looking at you. And if you can get them to look at you and then you live your life exactly how you tell them to, to, to get to, exactly how you challenge them to, where now instead of me telling a student how I'm going to challenge them, I'm just living my life exactly to the standard, right? That I think every human being should be at. And now it's no longer me telling a student what to do, but it's saying, Hey man, do you see me acting like that? Mm. No. Right. And so I think school, church, sports team, band, book club, whatever it may be. If you want to connect to a student, you got to find a connection. You got to find an actual connection on a personal level and be genuine about it. You know, Mm. Kids, they can see right through the mask. It's unbelievable how many times I've seen it in person. A kid call call an adult out. You've never you've never played that sport. What are you talking about? You don't even know anything about this book I read. Like I can tell you're just trying to get on my good side. No, you go at it genuine, and you live your life accountable and to a standard that you want to hold them accountable to changes everything. When I was in seminary, one of the bishops told us, more is caught than taught. So he said, don't think that your sermon begins when you walk up into the pulpit. Your sermon begins when they see you the first time they put their eyes on you. So you can't, you know, 
you you yelling, screaming, cursing like the devil, getting out of your car because it's raining and somebody's messed up your shoes or someone parked in your spot. And then you get in here and want to be a different person. No, because I already caught a glimpse of who you really are. So with, with students, they watch us so intently. Yes. And I wish every adult would understand that, that your child is watching you to see how you handle pressure, how you handle your friends, how you handle trouble, how you handle discomfort, how you handle your comfort zone, how you handle everything. And that's the best lesson that they're learning. They don't care what you're saying. Clean my room, your room dirty. I need you to wash the dishes. You ain't wash the dish. That's right. I haven't seen you do anything. You know what I mean? It's like, it's that constant challenge because kids, they want to see you doing what you asked me to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and which is, again, the same example that, that Jesus gave to us. Yeah. He says, I'm going to walk amongst you and do, do, do these things. I'm going to go out into these places and I want you to do the same thing that I'm doing. Yeah. It's the exact same process, but we just have to learn as adults that our children are waiting to be discipled. They're waiting for someone to come and, like, as you say, connect on that basic humanistic level. I remember this this past this past year, I had a student didn't hardly talk in class. Around October, I noticed that she was an amazing artist. I mean, like she had books, all of her books, her notes. You flip them over, she drew a picture. So I I started asking her questions about art. I'm like, why didn't you sign up for my art program? You know, we could have used you. She's like, I was scared, you know? And so then every day I would ask her about her art. I slowly saw her confidence just starting to increase to where now, instead of her hiding her artwork, she was putting it on display. She was giving me pictures saying, can you put this up? Hey, Mr. Law, can you put this in your room? Why? All because I paid attention to one little picture that she drew and I think it was just a wreath that she had drawn around the dot in her on her paper. And I was like, man, that takes some intricate concentration to get every single one of those symmetrical going around. And at first, my joke was, you did that while you're in my math class? You know, I can only imagine what you're about to do on this test. If, if you're that detail oriented, you know, but again, it made that connection and made her comfortable with mm-hmm. being able to open up into where she started sharing her art with me. And then she started sharing it with other people. Love and I it. think ultimately that's what we want them to to gravitate out of themselves to share with who they are with the world. Yep. That's and, awesome. And and one thing I want to come back to, Levi, is is you talked about accountability. So if mm-hmm. if you accept the fact that people are watching you all the time and, and you model that, inevitably we we are gonna make mistakes. And I think that's one thing that I know as a teacher I fear, but people in general fear is like being called out for mistakes or not appearing to be perfect. So when you are in that situation, because inevitably we all will be like, how, how do you approach that to the point where it's not that point where a kid's like, Oh, I, I, I told you, you weren't who you thought you were, but it's more of like modeling what it's, what it looks like to, to make a mistake. Yeah, man, that's, that's so important when it comes to connecting with students is to own up. Right, right away. You're not trying to sweep it under the rug. You're not trying to pretend like it didn't happen. You say, that's my bad. And I apologize to these students, uh, whoever it affects. You own up to it. You apologize to it. And then, and then you use it as a learning experience. When a student 
can see an adult fail at something they're supposed to be good at. Like, like you said, I can't imagine teaching a class and, and having that like pressure of, well, I'm supposed to be the math teacher and I screw up a problem, you know, something like that. I, Cause I don't teach an actual classroom. Right. But when a student can see an adult take ownership for a mistake, that goes back to like, how do you live your life? Are, are you living your life in such a way that, that, you know, you're, you're human, you know, you're going to make mistakes. And now you yourself are growing from that mistake. Hey guys, I'm sorry. I messed up these slides. Next time I'm going to, I'm going to be more prepared. I didn't spend as much time as I would have liked to present this to you or prepare this presentation next time. I'm going to get it right for you guys because you deserve that. That simple ownership takes any words out of a student's mouth that they're going to try to say, you're a phony, you're a fraud. I see it. They're going to be able to say that because you're already putting it out there. Like, you're right. I'm human too. And, and then you get to, to use those situations as a student messes up. They you know, fail what, on whatever it may be. Maybe they have a rough week in the classroom. You got to kick them out or something like that. Whatever, whatever it comes to, you get to say, Hey, remember, remember when I messed up? I get it. We all have, we have bad days. We have days we're not prepared for stuff is out of our control sometimes, but I messed up and I hopped right back on. I think, I think you can hop right back on the horse as well. Hey, what's going on, fam? Thank you for checking out this episode of Value as Value podcast. Uh, it was great to talk to my boy, Levi. Um, haven't seen him in quite a long time. Looking forward to the start of school. I uh, get to see him at least at a distance. But um, we just wanted to bring him on here because of his perspective. And, and just as soon as I met him, I, I really admired um, his rapport with the kids and not just his rapport, like he has a good relationship, but the way he uses it to make a difference. So um, this is the first half of our conversation with Levi. So we hope you'll uh, check in later this week uh, on Thursday to check out the second half. And I hope you have a great week. If you want to find Levi, you can find him uh, at Levi Spangroot on Instagram. Uh, he also, I think, gave his email in, or will give his email in the second half of the podcast. So we'll get you that too. But um hope you have a great week. I know everybody's getting back. This is my first week going back uh, to meetings. And yeah, I just I just hope everybody's great and that you're staying positive and staying safe. And as always, reach out to us if there's anything we can do for you. Uh, much love and we'll talk to you again soon.